Hello, this is episode 278. In it, I'm continuing my conversation with Steve Marskell from Rescom Building Products. Rescom was founded in 2009 and today it produces the world's number one ISO 8336 certified high-performance magnesium cement building products. Now, if you haven't listened to part one of my conversation with Steve, take a moment to head back to episode 277. You'll hear more about the background of Rescom building products and also particularly the benefits of magnesium oxide board and what Steve and Rescom have done to develop the product over time since 2009 with their extensive testing and product development. In this episode, Steve and I are going to talk specifically about the applications of magnesium oxide board. So where it can be used, how to use it, what to consider in your specification of it and the different kinds that ResCom actually make. If you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode plus information on the resources that I discuss, you can do that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 278. That's the numbers 278. Now let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers, and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses, and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building, and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. Now, as you heard in the last episode, magnesium oxide board has so many amazing benefits. So why isn't it being used everywhere? You know, what is actually stopping the industry from adopting this product as a replacement or substitute for fibre cement sheet, plasterboard and other board products that are so readily used in commercial and residential construction? Well, as you heard in the last episode, Steve's done a massive amount of work testing and certifying of ResCom Buildings products to demonstrate their viability. And yet there's still a lot of scepticism about the product. And to be frank with you, I see this with all businesses who step into this industry with new products. It takes a lot of money and a lot of tenacity 
to disrupt the we've always done it this way mindset that exists in the residential construction industry, in the construction industry in general. Increasingly, we are seeing a lot of products entering the marketplace that when you look at the testing, the material composition, the specifications, they're more environmentally sound and they're better performing than what we currently used. But it's super expensive to run any new product through certification and third-party testing processes. And for a lot of smaller companies or startups, those processes are just completely cost prohibitive. Consumers as well, I see, and understandably so, they're hesitant to use something on projects that need, you know, their projects need to last decades and decades. Uh, and so they're hesitant to use products that haven't been tested over, over decades and decades. And then you've got builders who haven't been used to working with a particular material. They'll often charge more to use it for the first time because they're pricing risk into their project or they'll just refuse to use a new product altogether. So you'll find, particularly when it comes to residential construction, we are building homes out of the same things that we have been using for decades, you know, just slightly new and different versions of the same products of sticks, you know, or timber, bricks, blocks, concrete, plasterboard tile, metal and fibre cement sheet. The thing is, though, that magnesium oxide board is one of those products that keeps cropping up for me. And in my research, I've definitely found that magnesium oxide board products, they're not all equal and it can be difficult to cut through all of the information that's online. But when you do, it's definitely a material that's worth reviewing as its benefits are huge and there's loads of examples of it being used successfully around the world in a variety of different projects. So for this episode, I'll actually share in the resources a series of videos that Steve sent through to me. These videos, they're on the YouTube channel of a, a group called MaxSkill that shares, amongst other things, information about products and techniques and working with board products, especially plasterboard. And the video, um, the video series, it's a series of clips that came from an unexpected visit that they paid to the ResCom location. And so it'll actually show you Steve talking with them about the products that Steve discusses in this episode and you can get to see them, you know, picking them up and showing you the surface of them and what they look like and them handling them and how they work with them. Now, in my conversation with Steve in this episode, you'll hear me refer to these videos because I watched it, of course, before speaking with Steve for this interview. And in particular, there's an installation that Steve put up in ResCom's facility that shows the natural finish of one of ResCom's boards that we talk about. It's got this beautiful green luster to it. It's done with an express joint uh, fixing detail. And I can, when I looked at it, I thought, oh, wow, I can see that working exactly as it's been installed as finished cladding to a home. It's got this really beautiful greenish luster that's really lovely. So you'll find that that footage in the, in video number four of the clips that I'm sharing in the resources for this episode. So if you want to grab a free PDF transcript of this episode, um, plus links to those videos so you can watch those as well, then you can do all of that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 278. That's the numbers 278. Now let's jump into my conversation with Steve. So in terms of its applications, where does it get used in a residential and, you know, where are you seeing homeowners select it for their projects and what are the different kinds of boards that might need to be used and applied in different areas? We try to simplify building. That's, that's been a goal of mine all the way along from coming in the build construction industry and looking at so many materials used in a building, you know, and you know, you'd know this as well, Amelia, you go and look at a general base home and there's probably anywhere between four and six different lining materials required. That's okay? very true. Yeah. So 
we go, wow, so what are they doing? What are those four to six different lining boards doing? Well, we need a tile backer board in, in the kitchen. We need a moisture resistant tile backer board to go in the bathroom. Then we need an impact board on here. Then we need a zero boundary board out there. Then we need an eave lining up here. The list goes on, okay? So over the period of time, if we go back to where I started and the product was breaking and didn't do what was supposed to in situ, me also doing it on my own account, I knew that if I didn't have something that was multifaceted and versatile within my warehouse, it was going to cost me money to sit still. So then became Steve's crazy brain about then evolving the material. That's why we end up with this high level of magnesite. This is why we end up with these levels of um, uh, fiberglass layers of mesh that we've done and patented all the formulations, okay? So what we wanted to do was say, you can use this product everywhere. So you can use it as an exterior lining. So you can use it as your interior wall lining. You can use it as your ceiling lining. You can use it as your eave lining. You can even profile the board. You can't do that with fiber cement sheet or plasterboard, but you can do around your frames and your windows to stop any ingress of fire. So the big thing in a bushfire is when the fire comes along, you might be doing well, but then your window frame burns out, okay? So in comes the fire. Around your door, the same. The fire door is doing really well, but the, fire, the frame burns down. You can profile the ResCom put it in and it doesn't burn. So I wanted a material that we could do that all with. Now we couldn't have done that with the common traditional magnesium board. And you, you still can't do that with the majority of them because they're gonna to fall to pieces, okay? So yes, you can use it. We, we evolved from a general purpose board or what we used to call a common board. We call it a general purpose at ResCom, which you can use in all your internal, like not in a high moisture area zone, in other words. So you can use it internally on your walls and ceilings. They're a lighter board, so they're, they're usually they're a 10 mil board that we do, but you can't use it in your bathrooms or your wet areas, okay? And we're probably one of the very few companies in this space, in our space, actually saying that to people. And we've been saying it for a long time in our manuals, okay? Where the other guy goes, no, 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 you can use it. So what product do you have to use in the wet areas? Well, we evolved then from, we went from the general purpose board to uh, people would see around the world and Yoast is using that. You'll see pictures with our green building and rescom up around the place. That was called HMR. That was the first high moisture resistant magnesium cement board that actually passed the American standards in 2014. That was my Christmas present on the 23rd of December, 2014. <laughs> we actually passed that. So you don't forget these things, do you? Okay. So after being told that we couldn't go there, but along the way then in uh, 2017, 18, um, a guy by the name of Jerry Gilman at, in Over Eco Building Systems in Miami, Florida. Jerry was my first international client ever back in 2010, 12. He wanted a material that could put on the outside of high-rise buildings and semi-high-rise buildings that didn't need addressing as quickly as what Hardy Board did or the Fibre Cement Sheet Board did. So therefore it had to have a greater moisture resistance. That's come to our PS5 that we do today. So we've got general purpose, HMR, and PS5. PS5 stands between 5 and 7% moisture absorption. Okay, so it's absolutely perfect for 
all those wet areas, exterior, interior, um, it's a very, very high level moisture. It's the highest level moisture resistant material in this space, I'd say even in all the flat sheet spaces. Yeah, it's a very low water absorption. Yeah. What, what thickness is that? Uh, that comes in 10. Well, we're actually, we're just uh, shipped into Ireland right now, uh, eight mil board. Um, so, you know, we can do that eight, 10, 12, uh, 14, 16. And that's usually the maximum thickness we go to in a wall board is 16 because um, that's a pretty robust, it's an amazing material, okay? It's very thick. And is that just getting, can, do you just direct nail that to a timber frame or how is that being, how is those different boards needing to be fixed? Yeah, look, you can direct nail it to timber frame. We recently posted on LinkedIn with uh, working with Pazload in the UK, uh, direct nailing it to steel frame. Yep. How cool is that? Yeah, do you need to screw fix the thicker yes, boards? You do. Yeah, yep. yeah, you do. Look, uh, countersink around the corners as well because it's a cement board. It will push out if you, you don't uh, clean and, and do that in. But, you know, it's it's quite, when you're first installing it, it feels really, really hard, but you can overscrew it quite easily, okay? So once you punch into that. Um, so you can nail a screw um, onto your frames. The big thing is, and when we talked about rust and corrosion, okay, and this is a big thing around the world, is that this is nothing new. If we read about, the salt air zones and moisture air zones. Uh, there's already the steel industry, the timber industry and the screw industries and our national construction codes tell us actually what type of uh, fixing materials we should use. So if we're out doing a building in Bondi in Sydney and we're using typical dry screws, drywall screws on the outside of a building, what's going to happen? Yeah, they're going to corrode. Yep. That's right. That's right. So you use stainless steel, don't you? Yeah. Okay. So exactly the same with, with Rescom, but you don't never use drywall screws with a cement board product, be it a Portland or a magnesium. So you're going to use a class three to four non-corrosive galvanized self-tapering screw for 90% of your installation. Uh, any wet areas, I say bathrooms or anywhere where it's going to be wet or high moisture or high humidity, use a, a, a stainless steel uh, screw. Okay. Gotcha or your nails okay we've done we've done great stuff with nails we did recent testing last year on fire resolute testing laboratory in um, brisbane i broke the rules which i always do <laughs> they want you to screw fix in fire rated wall systems i nailed and i proved it worked with rescom i can't say it okay. worked with any girls but it worked with the rescom ceilings always screw ceilings don't yes. use nails on ceilings. No, no, you don't want to use nails on ceilings. <laughs> and, and so from aesthetic point of view, in terms of people obviously direct comparing this to the products that they might be familiar with, be plasterboard or drywall for interiors and fibre cement sheet board for exteriors, how, how kind of different does it look in terms of its smoothness, the paint finish or renders that you need to put on it? Like how, how does that sort of work into the, to somebody uh, for a residential application? From a, from a rendering texture point of view, so we'll cover the outside first, you can't tell the difference. It's really disappointing because I want people to know it's Rescom, but once you put paint on it and finish it, they just think it looks like a warboard. So it actually lets you down as being the innovator. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, Rock Cope done some great stuff over the years with our product and specifications as well. Um, there's another company called Cork Spray. Look, that's an amazing product that's available down in Sydney now. It, it comes out of, out of Italy, I think it is, the original yeah. technology. The guys in Ireland, uh, Rescom Ireland and Rescom UK, uh, they've been using Cork Spray 
um, on our, our ResCom board for bird nests and buildings for nearly the last eight years. It's crazy because I wanted that material here and a guy rang me up a couple of years ago from Sydney and he knew too much about Rescom. And I said, how did you know? <laughs> oh, the guys in Europe told me. That cork spray is zero VOC. It has an FR rating as well. And it's non-toxic and it sticks to our board like the proverbial. It's yeah, I've brilliant. had a chat. So Alan is the distributor for Dyson. Yeah, in, yeah Alan uh, Probert. He's a really yeah, good so I guy. Had a, I've had a chat with him and I'll be getting him on the podcast soon as well to have a chat about it. It's an amazing product. It is. And when we go, so that's the outside and it's textured yep. and smooth and whatever else. And you can So pretty much any it. look that you want on, on a rendered flat finish. Externally, just before you dive into the interior, is yours always a flat board? Because I know that there are some magnesium oxide board fabricators out there that will do a weatherboard or a chamfer board. Um, your, your boards all have that flat profile with the shadow lap join, do they? Do you um, do any that no, are we, any different profile? We, we haven't gone into doing the weatherboards and that. We've looked at it. Um, there was a great company in the marketplace, but sadly they left the marketplace and that was a company called Ubiquinix Board. Um, and they they were, they were a good company in regards to they did some profiles. There's other things we won't talk about, but, you know, they did do some good profiles and they, they left out of the market. Um, I thought they were doing a specific wood grain pattern for different things. And then I found out they were only sanding it in. They were grinding oh, right. it in. So, yep nobody's really picked that up and you know there's only so much one person could do on their own own pocket i would love to be having a molds and and the volumetric size like um if i had the volume uh, it definitely would be able to be done but a lot of people like their weatherboards like six meters long as well um and they bring them in it doesn't stop you you know the old way they used to do weatherboard and overlaying them and cut it there's nothing stopping you doing that with the rescom board. Oh, nothing. like a big, almost like a big ship lap where you actually cut the boards into strips Absolutely. and you fix it like that. That's quite an interesting idea, actually. Can you, um, in the thicker ones, so say the 16 mil, could you saw cut shallower joints if you wanted to get, say you wanted to do like an express joint sort of panelized look on the outside of your home, but then you wanted to add some extra saw cut joints to get that patterning. Can you do that easily with Absolutely. the 16 mil thick? Yeah. And I shared some videos with you yesterday. Um, yeah, I'm going to pop those were, in the resources. Yeah, which were just off the cuff for a client calling in, which I'd never met, and they videoed it. And it's you'll see in part of those videos, we actually did the express our lineal type joint type thing. So it really, so really comes that, up well. In that video, and I, like I said, I'll pop it in the resources, there was a wall of green that you showed. So is that the natural finish of it like what what did you do to 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 create that green sort of look that was just a natural finish we color code our boards so people know that it's rescom um and that's that's a natural color that's a hmr board that one so it doesn't have a clear coat over it or anything like that uh, That had a, we lent, we put lanco 124 on that so okay. it's a cement binder sealer so when you talk about coatings and finishes, okay, it's really, really important for the listeners not to go down and do the DIY. I'm going to buy the three in one. It's not going to work, I can assure you. Okay. So every time I go and talk to Julux or Torbens or PPG or somebody like that, they're not every single time their scientists will say it's the primer sealer binder that's nine tenths of the law of the performance. Yeah, every it's very single true. time. Yep. So yep. you've got to put the right primer binder sealer on there. Now, Rock Coat got that right. Cork Spray has that right. Julux has got their Enviro 20, which works really good as well. I like Lenko 124 as a, as a binder sealer if you're going to leave the board exposed for a long time. 
Um, like I've got a pool house that's been exposed uh, for three years in the weather without any finishes on it. And I'm doing that because I'm torturing it. Okay. <laughs> yes. So yeah. I want to do everything wrong that I know that it's going to survive. You know, even though my clients have done that around the world, um, it's good to do it yourself. Okay. So Lanco works perfectly. I don't like the, the Bond Creek product hasn't worked very well because it doesn't bind soak into the, the material it's not and that lock penetrative and come finish. back out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you make sure you use the right primer binder seals. Now it's a cement board, okay? It's not hiding its porousness because of the paper that's on the front, like um, like FC or or um or plaster plasterboard. Okay. Yep. So, but you will get a, a straighter finish, but you use a better, higher viscosity primer binder sealer. And you put that on. Maybe you've got to roll it twice. So spray on, roll off, spray on, roll off. And that'll then close up any of the, the, the little, you can end up, if you don't do it right, you could end up with looking like a pimply 16-year-old, okay? Um, <laughs> I had a painter do that to one of my offices once. And I came up and I said, oh, you've done the primer code. He said, no, I'm finished. So I don't think so, okay? <laughs> so the, um, and then when you put your final coats on, I'm actually shocked in the building industry how, with residential homes, they're going and doing one coat of primer, one coat of finish. Hang on. If I go to the class grades finish, class three, four, and five of paint finishes, it tells me how many coats I have to do. Yes. Don't yeah, it's another that. corner cutting Don't exercise. Change that yeah. method. Don't change yeah. the method. Okay. What, what I um what I thought was I like I I really encourage listeners to check out the video that's got that finish put up on the wall. Um, because um, I looked at it and thought, wow, that's just a really stunning, it's a stunning colour, it's a stunning, you know, the patina's not consistent, so it's this lovely sort of rich natural patina. Mm. And I thought, gosh, you could actually use that really effectively on the outside of a house and, you know, play with where the express joints mm. were and that worked really well. So You could do those vertical, horizontal, anywhere. See, what we've done there too with that wall, and I'm not sure if you caught what the boys were talking about when I wasn't there, but we actually stapled that to the timber frame we didn't, well, long, it's a serrated staple anyway, uh, but I did that to find out again um, because a lot of lining materials aren't load-bearing and that type of stuff, okay, where we know our structural performance is really, really good, but I wanted to see how's it going to go on stapling, and we created by those joints by a back block behind it. So we've ripped the ResCon board and put a back block behind, so we have no thermal breach either. Sorry, what do you mean by that? You, you know how we've got an express joint? Behind it. Yep. We ripped pieces of rescom board and we actually put that behind like you would back. So you put little strips, yeah. basically fix little strips and then you fix the rescom, the big panels of rescom over the top of that. Yep, so the right. express joint is what you're seeing is the little strip that's been fixed to the batten frame. That's at back in the back there. And you've got no thermal breach. So if you had a bushfire or something like that, because the biggest failure in a lot of uh, buildings is your joint, isn't it? You know, whether it's moisture or acoustics or whether it's fire. Um, so if you can back block to that and get that express look, and I have had a couple of builders over the time, one recently down in, uh, in Sandgate in Brisbane, tell me that the cost per square meterage by doing that opposed to the opposing material, which you know is available, um, was around about 30 to $40 a square meter cheaper. Oh, Wow. Well, that's good for homeowners to know. That's huge. Yeah, it's awesome. Huge. Yeah. All right. And so then internal use. So people are most traditionally used to plasterboard, which of course has a paper finish on it, gets set joints, uh, which all get sanded back before it's primed and then painted. 
people do have a high expectation of a very smooth finish on their internal walls. How, what should people's expectation be with magnesium oxide board by contrast? Can you set the joints? How do you need to finish it? All of that kind of stuff. Look, there's what I've done over the years, and I'm actually playing more so into that field now, but originally, you know, your typical recessed edge, tape and set and finish, okay, no different to plasterboard, sand the joint back, feather them back and so forth. When I did one of my offices up in Twin Waters years ago, uh, I did, I had a, a British guy doing the, the plaster guy and he had actually worked with magnesium board in, in the UK. So I did part of my walls in square butt edge. Uh, butted together square edge and taped and set and he feathered them out perfectly and I did part of them in recessed edge you know we end up with a better finish and less with a butt edge together and, and feathered out correctly oh wow yep. yeah it really turned out well again it comes back to again making sure that you're not shortcutting on your your primers and your finishing coats okay so there is always a way to make your wall look a much much better what, what doesn't matter what the the substrate is you're applying to so if you do it thin you're going to get shadow issues you're going to get various things like that but the one thing with a good rectified uh, board like ours it's a very straight wall and very rectified wall okay again inside you've got more of a issue you must consider when you're doing your painting than outside because on the outside we're usually going to see a texture code or something heavier okay so the the getting rid of that potential issue of the the uh, pin pricks is actually uh, less problematic on the outside as it is to the inside but again if you've done the right and you know okay i've got to do this i've got to spray on rollback spray on rollback let it try okay don't just try to do it all overnight okay and then let it dry and then look at that and then go basically finish it off with your two or three coats you usually end up with as good or better finishes what you have on a plasterboard inside okay but attention to detail attention to detail fantastic well that's great to know and that's it for part two of my conversation with Steve. I hope you're finding it helpful and I hope you're enjoying that we're actually diving into a lot of detail and, and getting through some chunky kind of information as well. In the next episode and the last that's on this series on magnesium oxide board, I ask Steve about all the bad news that I've heard and seen about magnesium oxide board. The fact that it's been banned in Denmark since 2015 you know the reports that it causes increased corrosion in metal fixings and structure that it isn't fit for high humidity that it attracts moisture and it causes timber building frames to rot that magnesium sulfate is the preferred option to magnesium chloride but then you find other reports that say that it's just as bad you know this is all the type of information that you find when you start researching magnesium oxide board online and so I wanted to dig into it and Steve he dives headfirst into explaining the research behind these reports and the fine print that's really important to understand in more detail because you know Steve shares his own testing and his third-party assessments that debunk these myths and especially when you actually and correctly specify and install the product as per manufacturer specifications which actually haven't been around for that long as you'll actually hear Steve talk about you know and you have to do this with any product that you use in order to get the best from them so we'd go into a lot of detail in that in the next episode now remember I've got a free downloadable pdf transcript of this episode I've also got links to the information that I mentioned plus those videos you can find all of that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 278. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.
Just a reminder, all content on this podcast is provided by Undercover Architect for reference purposes and as general guidance. It does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in any circumstances, including but not limited to circumstances where loss and damage may result. The views and opinions of any guests on the podcast are solely their own and may not reflect the views of Undercover Architect. Undercover Architect endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or has become inaccurate over time. Thank you.